mention uh, all the people that worked. If you missed out on working, there's still more to do. Maybe, maybe you have uh, been busy or haven't known we've been working here, and you'd like to do something. We can, as you can see, there's still a lot of work to do. Um, we worked literally from 7 o'clock in the morning to 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, many days, uh, people here just doing stuff to get it to where we could function today. Uh, we moved out by faith uh, last Sunday, and it looked impossible that we would be able to get in here. Um, I know that Ann and Gene uh, um, came by Thursday and for Friday, and they walked through. And you probably didn't believe me, did you, that I said it'd be ready? I, they were like, yeah, sure, inside, amen. Things were everywhere, but God, God did a miracle. And um, I want to thank uh, two people in particular. I don't want to give names to everybody because I'd miss somebody. Lots of people have put lots of work in, but my dad has been every single, he has perfect attendance, amen, he has been here every single day, probably didn't do it in school, but you did it here, amen, he has been such a blessing, he's been just here every single day for the last month, um, just making sure everything's going good, and when I was in Mexico for a week, just keeping me informed, and, and, and I think it's made you younger. I know you're worn out, but you've also got some good work, amen? So make sure you thank him. Another one, another young man that's just been a, a tremendous blessing is Joe. I don't know where Joe is. Joe, amen, raise your hand. Joe has been an amazing, amazing blessing along with Chris with the sound, making stuff that, I mean, there's, there's nothing I haven't found this man can do. I mean, we, we were trying to open a can, use a can of foam stuff the other day, and I couldn't get to work, and I said, let me go talk to Joe. And Joe grabbed it and said, it's old, can't, it's, 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 it's expired. I didn't know that stuff expired. It was six years old. So he's, he's really smart. If you want to meet a genius, go meet Joe, amen? And very humble. I just want to thank him for the work. And then, like I said, I could get into names. You know who you are, and God knows who you are, that have been here tirelessly uh, working, and, and some skilled, some not, but just willing. Amen? So let's go to Philippians uh, chapter 4. I want to preach a message that's been on my heart for, for months, and I was finally able to be able to preach it in Mexico. Uh, I want to give us uh, uh, love from Mexico this morning. Pastor Fuentes actually just, um, I was in Mexico City, and Pastor Fuentes, who is over our churches in Mexico, um, just, <clears throat> excuse me, just what's up to me today, and said, please tell everybody we said hi, and he wanted to thank everybody. As Pastor was mentioning, we did the offering for um, Africa. We are a missions church. We have churches all around the world. You're not part of just this church in Denton, Texas, but we have churches all around the world. And I was able to go down there and, and say hi from us to that congregation and to all the congregations. I believe we have 11 churches right now in Mexico, amen, that are Victory World Outreach, amen, and growing consistently, planting more churches. And uh, so I said hi to them from you. So he shouted back and said, please tell the congregation hi. And so we took up an offering, if you remember, the Sunday right before I left, we had that international potluck dinner, and uh, we took uh, $750 down there, or $800, sorry, as an offering to help that conference, and he just wanted to say thank you to you guys for that, so um, I wanted to relay that message. We're going to get him on the phone next few weeks, have him give a report of what God's doing down there in Mexico City. I want to uh, talk about something um, that we're going to look in Philippians chapter 3 and uh, verse 13. 
Very, sim- very known verse, and there's going to be very many verses here this morning that you'll recognize. But I believe, that, I believe somebody's going to get something out of this that's going to transform your life. I'm going to read out of the New American Standard Version. And the reason is because my Bible's at my house. <clears throat> With all the mess, how many, how many know how it goes, amen? With all the mess, I don't, I, I've had it somewhere and I can't find it. Plus, we moved all the stuff over from my office. So, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. How many have, not, how many have already arrived? Nobody, right? We haven't, we haven't arrived yet. I have not uh, laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Father, we ask you to anoint your word this morning. Thank you for every man, woman, child, and teenager that's in this place this morning. Thank you for the work that you're going to do in our lives, that this message is going to change somebody's perspective. It's going to call somebody to do greater things for you this morning. Lord, thank you again for this new place, for this new building. Lord, that down the road we will officially thank you for. But we just ask you to move in this place this morning and have your way in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Philippians chapter 3 says that we need to look forward and not back. How many have realized in your life when you look back, it's not, it's not always good? Amen. And some people, like I said, can look back too much and, and, and rely too much on what's already happened, good or bad. We need to understand that today's a new day and we need to look forward. And, and, and God is constantly uh, luring us and calling us to do more, calling us to go further than we're going right now. How many want to do more for God than you're doing right now? Amen. You want to know him more. You want to do more for him. I'm going to give you a key this morning that will help you. I want to go to 2 Kings, if you would. And I want to give you a key here that's something the Lord's really been putting on my heart lately. I was looking back at the last 25 years in October, I'll have been saved and in the ministry. And um, I joked with the Mexican church that I said, 25 years ago, I was born. And I tried to make it that I was 25 years old. It didn't go over. I think my hair gets me on that one. But I have been saved for 25 years. And getting used to this pulpit. I'm getting used to this Bible. I'm getting used to everything. Sorry, excuse me. Plenty of light though. This is going to get raised a little bit, so I'm a little tall for this. 2 Kings chapter 2. Give me an amen if you're there. So in October, 25 years ago, many of you have heard this, but I need to lay the groundwork for what I want to preach this morning. I was raised in church and, and knew about God and believed in God. Uh, But there's a verse in James that says even the demons believe and tremble. It's not enough just to believe. And 25 years ago, my mom and dad did a good job taking me to church, um, getting me there and and being that influence, but I hadn't had an encounter with God. And 25 years ago, I was sitting at the back of the church, arms crossed, sunglasses on, coming from a basketball practice in college, doing my thing, pursuing my dreams. How many know that's what we do? Amen. We do our thing. We pursue our dreams. And my dream was always to play professional basketball, was to definitely go play college basketball, get a scholarship, all those different things as an athlete. And I was doing that even though uh, some things had changed. I had at one point in my life, I had uh, 25 colleges looking at me to play basketball. My grandma died the day of my SATs. And so I missed a division one basketball and had to go the junior college route. 
And that's what I was doing on this night on October 4th, 1992, when I walked into a church and an evangelist was preaching and he was talking about a place that's hot and dark where the Bible says there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he began to describe hell. And I know that a lot of people don't like to hear about that. And today we're living in a day that no one wants to mention it in church, although it's mentioned a lot in the Bible. And don't worry, this isn't a hell message. Amen. I'm just telling you what happened the night that I was listening to this message with my arms crossed and sunglasses on in the back. How disrespectful. Amen. And as he's describing this place, I I was trying not to listen. I was looking at my watch, as some do, amen, trying to see how much longer he could possibly preach, hoping he'd be done soon, because at some point in that message, I began to get a little convicted. Have you ever been in a place where you begin to shift a little bit in your seat? You begin to move around a little bit. It begins to get a little stuffy all of a sudden, whether it's stuffy or not, amen? And I began to feel like this place that he was describing was real. And he was doing a very good job describing it. And then at one point of this message, near the end, uh, I began to all of a sudden think, you know, I think to take these things off. And I kind of slid them down into my pocket. And then he kept preaching. And then all of a sudden my arms got uncrossed. And I was shifting around. And I was trying to be a little more respectful. And at one point, as he's preaching, I hear the voice of God, not audibly like this, but in my spirit. And he says to me, if you don't change tonight, that's where you're going. It was as clear as any voice I've ever heard in my life, as clear as the call of God, as clear of any direction he's ever given me. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a thing where he said, if you'll change tomorrow or next week or next month, it was if you don't change tonight, the place that you're hearing him describe is where you're going to spend eternity. And so before he even got done preaching, I ran, my mom and dad are witnesses, I ran to the altar like a basketball player sprint and was on my knees and he continued to preach and eventually did an altar call. It was after nine o'clock at night on a Tuesday night of that revival that I was on my knees praying. And when I got up, it was after midnight. Red eyes, not to be gross, but snot all over the place, uh, just poured out my heart and my spirit on that altar. And, and, And that night, God changed me. That was 25 years ago. He changed me. He transformed me. He, he called me. Amen. And I did something that I want to teach you this morning, that night, that I did not know I was doing. And I want to look at 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm going to get back to that in just a second. But I want to look at verse 1. And many of you will know this, and I want to kind of run through this to not lose too much time on this. Um, but there's a part in this part where Elijah is calling Elisha to follow him. And he's actually already called him to follow him. He has dropped his mantle, which signifies the anointing of God. How many want the anointing of God in your life? That's that spirit upon you, that covering upon you that God uses to break chains around you, that God uses to change people's lives, that God uses to to change the situation in your life, that, that causes people to want the Jesus that you have in your life. So he drops this mantle on Elisha, and Elisha says, I'll follow you. And he says, let me go back to my house. And so that has happened, and now Elisha is following Elijah, where we're picking up here, and Elijah is testing Elisha, okay? How many know that if we're going to serve God, we're going to have tests? How many have been saved long enough or been around the God God life long enough? You're going to go through tests. 
You're going to have trials. You're going to have situations that, that cause you to uh, struggle, that cause you to wonder. You can't have a testimony without a test. You know, Myra gave a great testimony. What a, what a miracle. We need to get used, church. We need to get used to being in the favor of God. I don't want to change direction and preach another message, but we need to be used to the favor of God on our lives. Amen? We need to expect that because if we're children of God, we're children of God. And he has a lot of stuff for us, a lot of blessings. Amen? So watch. He says, It came about when the Lord, verse 1, was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel. Now, to not take time, he does this three more times. He, he says, God is calling me to a certain city. All those cities are there. And he says, you stay here. Elisha, you stay here. Now, we know from the story that Elisha could not get the blessing of God if he left Elijah. And, and what we don't understand a lot of times in our lives is there are blessings and provision and, and, and joy unspeakable that God wants to give you in your life that you don't even realize when you have said yes to the call of God on your life. And, and you might say in here this morning, well, I don't have a call of God on my life. Well, I would tell you if you, don't have, if you think you don't have a call of God on your life, you're wrong. Because everybody has a call of God on their life. Everybody's called to be an evangelist. Everybody's called to preach the word of God. Everybody's called to speak about Jesus. Some answer and some don't. Some do and some don't. But everybody's called. The Bible actually says many are called but few are chosen. Doesn't mean that God doesn't choose. It means they choose not to go. All are called. We're all, we're all supposed to be evangelists and preach the gospel. And so we have to understand that inside of this call, there's going to be tests where God is going to lay things in front of us. And it's a choice that we have to make where we say, do I keep going or do I stop? Do I give up or do I go forward? Do I give in? Do I quit? How many have ever wanted to quit? Amen. There's been many times in my life since 25 years ago that I've never, not, not, not to quit God himself, but to quit with dealing with people. Amen. It'd be easy to serve God if we didn't have to deal with people. Amen. Right? If we just go out on an island, it, would be, it wouldn't be so bad. But we have to deal with people. We have to deal with life. We have to deal with jobs. We have to deal with situations. And so he says, stay here. Elisha says, no, I'm going with you. I, I will not leave you. And he says it three times. Now, here's what I want you to understand. As we begin to look at this, and we're going to go back a couple chapters in a minute, I'm going to show you the, 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 the meat of this message and what I want you to grab. In 1 Kings 19, just turn there, but don't read it yet. So 25 years ago when I got saved, I want to tell you something really amazing, and you might hear this story again in the next few months because we will have an official inauguration date at some point where we'll, we'll uh, make it official here and we'll have an opening service and and we'll have uh, people, invite people, and, and, and special people will be here, especially in my life. Two of the most special people in my life are my aunt and uncle. And so 25 years ago, and they live just about two or three miles from here up on Rector Road, which is just a couple exits. So I want to throw this out, how amazing this is, uh, in a moment. So 25 years ago, I get saved that day. I give my life to God. I do what I'm going to show you in a second here. Something changes in me. 
and I get up, and, I, and, and God opens a door on one Sunday morning where um, a pastor's son in Tucson, Arizona, is preaching a message to go to Costa Rica to learn Spanish. And I am just like many of you out there sitting in the chair. I'm cheering him on. Amen? You know, a lot of us are cheerleaders. Somebody's saying, hey, I'm doing this for God, and God's calling me to do that, and I'm going to go here. And a lot of us are cheerleaders. Hey, good job, Richard. You go around the world and do those things. Amen? We cheer them on. We cheer people on, but a lot of times we don't want to get in the fight. You know, have you ever noticed that in sports, uh, 50,000 people pay to watch 22 people kill each other? On a football field, amen, 50,000 uh, 50, people pay pay-per-view to watch two boxers beat each other up. Everybody likes to be on the outside and cheer, amen. And so I was doing that. I was cheering. I was thinking, yeah, you go, buddy. You go to Costa Rica and learn Spanish. Andale, pues. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, do it. And as I'm sitting back there, I hear that call again, amen. But this time it wasn't God's voice. It was my aunt's voice. God will speak through people. And so I'm sitting there after church, I'm walking out, and she comes over and she says, I believe God has spoken to your uncle and I, and we think you should go to Costa Rica and learn Spanish. And if you want to go, we'll pay for it all. We'll pay for your housing, we'll pay for your school, we'll pay for your plane ticket, we'll pay for your food, everything. You want to go, you let us know. I had been saved long enough and in church long enough to know exactly what to say. How many want to guess what I said? I'll pray about that. That's Christianese. That's Christianese for leave me alone, I'm busy doing something else. I was not going to pray about it at all. Not even a thought. Did not want to learn a language. Did not want to leave the country. Did not want any of that. Two hours later, God speaks. I think you should go. Okay. I said yes. Three weeks later, I had a passport. A couple months later, I was on a plane to San Jose, Costa Rica. One month later, after three weeks of, of wanting to come home because I was tired of the culture and tired of the crazy traffic and tired of not understanding what everybody was saying, I was ready to come home. Told my mom, man, I'm ready to come home. I was homesick even, I was, even though I was, I'm a man. I was growing up. I, was, I wanted to come home. I, I was just tired of not understanding. And all I knew was, donde esta el baño? And comida. That's about all I knew. I knew nothing when I went to learn Spanish. You know what? I didn't even know what C meant. I promise anybody knows, I did not know what the word semen. I knew taco and enchilada and burrito and tamale. That's about it. Amen. I didn't even know yo quiero taco verde back then. So I was ready to come home and I go to this church. And I want you to know this morning, if you're here at this service, you need to be thankful for these beautiful things right here. Not because they're pretty and white and they go up and down, but because you can see the words to the songs. Well, we're in a church of about 2,000 people. On a Sunday morning, I get in a taxi, and I pass. I was Assemblies of God at that time, uh, denomination, and I passed three different Assemblies of God churches to get to this one. It was a huge 2,000-seat arena or sanctuary. It looked like an arena. And uh, I get in there. Jimmy Swaggart actually started that church many, many, many years ago. And uh, I get in there, and, and there's no words on the wall, and I don't speak Spanish. So I was very difficult to get in the spirit and worship. So I was wandering my eyes. And I'm looking around, and all of a sudden, I catch this really nice-looking lady. Her name is Carla. And she was doing the same thing. Now, I don't know what her excuse was because she knew Spanish. <laughs> but she was looking back at me, and we locked eyes, and the rest is history. And I won't spend any time on that this morning. Amen? And she's actually in Costa Rica right now visiting her family. 
And so that happens. I'm down there, and I learn Spanish, and all these things begin to happen. I get back. We get to Tucson. We start a ministry. We're working with kids in the inner city of Tucson, Arizona, and the projects, and we're uh, serving God. I'm, I'm an assistant pastor at a church, and all of a sudden, I get, a, I get that call again that Elisha got. He says, I want you to pack up. I want you to move, and I want you to take everything, and I want you to move to Denton, Texas, which is where we are now. And so I'm, I'm, I'm praying, and, and we had just really, really, really uh, gotten our business going really good. I was making good money, and we had just bought an, a house on an acre of land. We had a brand-new house, brand-new land. Everything was good. The ministry was good. God was moving. God was doing great things. And then God says, I want you to leave all this. Remember that word, leave. Okay, I want you to leave all this here, and I want you to move to, to Dallas. Now, honestly, at that point, Denton wasn't the city specifically. It was just Dallas. And there's a whole other story there that I've hardly ever told anybody, and I don't know if I ever will. Publicly, maybe I will, but not today. How we got here. So we get here to Denton, and then we're, here's the crazy thing. We're over there on Lindsay Street. How many know where, does anybody know where Lindsay Street is? Lindsay Street's just a half a mile or a mile from Fort Worth Drive. And I'm in a church there, and we're serving and God is, is, God is moving there. And then we, me and my dad started a business here. God's blessing our business. God's giving us finances. We're working with kids. Kendra was over at that church in Rowdy. We started a kids ministry over there. We're doing something for God. I'm an assistant pastor again. And I'm just serving the Lord. And all of a sudden, God speaks in September of 1997 and says, I want you to pack everything up. I want you to sell everything. And I want you to move to Costa Rica. Why am I saying this? Because we're going to look at what happens here in 2 Kings chapter, sorry, 1 Kings chapter 19. Y'all with me? Watch what happens here in 1 Kings 19. This, this isn't, this, I'm not trying to make this about me. I'm trying to give you experience. That when you experience the call of God and you begin to learn to trust him, God can do amazing things in your life. I believe there's some people in here that God is calling to do more than you're doing right now for the kingdom of God. But, but something has to happen, and I want to look at 1 Kings chapter 19. Why is it, you know, a lot of times, i got to spend a second here. Why is it that when we see the finished product of something, we don't understand that that did not happen by accident? You know, when you see somebody that's being successful in anything, if it's marriage, if it's a job, if it's uh, anything, you see success. You see, you know, it's, it'd be easy this morning visiting or not knowing our story to be looking at this beautiful building and think, wow, this is pretty nice. But you don't know the blood, sweat, and tears that goes all the way back to the call at the beginning. And, and that's anybody's success. Anything that's considered success in any way, there's things that have to happen, decisions that have to be made. So we look at Elisha's life. How many have heard and read many stories about Elisha? Right? You've heard that name before at least. Maybe you're new to the Bible, new to the Word of God. Elisha and Elijah are big names. They're, they're famous in the Bible. Amen? They'll be like the actors and the sports people today. They're famous. They have lots of stories. And so we hear the story of Elisha, and we hear what's going on in his life but we don't see, and we see him following eventually. And later on in that story, we see that, that Elisha goes through three cities. And then after three tests of stay here, stay here, stay here, Elisha goes, Elijah goes up in the chariot and the mantle falls. And now Elisha is, is anointed. But here's what happens. Before he leaves, he says, what do you want from me? And he says, I want a double portion of what you have. He says, you've asked a hard thing. 
He says, I want a double portion. If you go back and read what Elijah did, that's an amazing thing to have a double portion of his anointing. And the Bible says that that anointing falls, that mantle falls, and he gets anointed, and he becomes the new successor of being God's man in that, on that time to bring forth the, the word of God, and he is anointed. But, so we see all that, but we don't see what Elisha did to get to the place to receive the anointing. And I'm going to show you what it is. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. Give me an amen if you're there. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. And watch this. While he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him, and he with the 12th, Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. Okay, I, I gave you the end result. Now we're going back and seeing what actually happened. He left the oxen. Pay attention to these two verses. If you don't get anything else out of this message, get these two verses. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will what? Follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? Again, Elijah is telling him, No, no, he's pushing him away. A lot of times we get called by God to do something. We're looking for somebody to tell us, No, no, don't do that. Right? Aren't we looking for an out? I feel like God's telling me to do something. And then you go talk to somebody and think, I don't think that's what you're supposed to do. You go, Oh, thank you. That's what I needed to hear. I needed someone to talk me out of it. I can look back on a whole bunch of times in my life that when I shared with people what God was telling me to do, I was hoping they would talk me out of it. Because I didn't really want to do it because I was scared. I was afraid. I, it was a big step. And that was the beginning. But the more you begin to serve God, the more you begin to see him move, the more experience you can get and the more faith that you can get to say God's done it before. Why wouldn't he do it again? If he's done it 50 times before, why wouldn't he do it the 51st time? How many are with me? So he wants to do more. I want you to write this down. God wants to do more in my life than I think he can do. That's a fact. God wants to do more in my life than I even think or imagine, and that's in Ephesians, that I can do. All right, so here we go. Go back again. Verse 21, here's the key. I already wore that one out. 21, ready? So he returned from following him, took the pair of oxen, and sacrificed them, and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen, gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. Now, when we read that, if we're not careful, we'll just be like, oh, good story. But you have to catch something. He took his plow, okay? His plow was his life. That was his career. That was his income. That was his future. That was his kid's future. That was everything that he had done up to that moment. He was, he was working that plow, and having 12 sets means that he was doing well. How many are with me? Okay? He's doing well. And now God calls him to go preach the gospel God calls him, as, he, as Jesus did to the disciples, to leave their nets, to leave being a doctor with Luke, to leave being a tax collector, to leave being these things that they were. Leave those things and follow me, he said. 
And as, as they did that, they dropped everything and left it. And this time when Elijah gets this, Elisha gets this call, God says, follow me. And Elisha takes it so serious. This is what I want you to get if you don't get anything else out of this message. He goes back. And he burns his plow. If you're taking notes. Write this down. I need to burn my plow. I need to burn my plow. You're speaking French to me. I know we don't have plows, okay? I know that there are probably some people in this area that do, but we don't use plows on a daily basis. But your plow is your dreams. Your plow is your career. Your plow is your job. Your plow is your future. Your plow is your, is your, your desires. Your plow is your life. It's your life. It's everything you are. It's everything you desire. Elisha says, I'm so serious about this call that I'm, watch this, I'm not going to leave a plan B. 25 years ago when I went to that altar and cried for three hours out to God to forgive me of the things that I had done in my life and the sins that I had done and the, and the running from the call of God that I had done my entire life, I cried out to God and I said, I'm sorry, and I repented, I accepted his call, but I, I realized I did something 25 years ago and it was that I burned my plow. Let me explain this just a little bit better in case you're not getting it. He took the, the thing that was everything to him, and he said, I've got to destroy this so I have nothing to come back to. Too many Christians and too many believers say they want to do something for God, but they have plan B and plan C and plan D if it doesn't work out. Too many people today, even in the ministry, called around the world, are, are called. I used to see this all the time when I first got saved, and I think that's what God really helped me with, is I used to see other men, young men my age, that were youth pastors and pastors and assistant pastors and ministers and evangelists, and I would see them and watch them from a distance, and I would notice that they would constantly be taking another job to another church that had more pay or better benefits or more youth to minister to or more congregations to preach to and God said that's not what I called you to do to hop around like it's a career I called you to follow me I called you to leave everything that you are and everything that you want and you follow me and I will direct your paths I'm not trying to talk bad about them. I'm just saying that that's what happens today. Church has become a career for people. I don't do this because it's a career. I do this because it's a call. Amen. It's a call of God on my life. This is why we're sitting here this morning because I burned my plow 25 years ago. I had my own dreams, my own aspirations, and something in my spirit, Richard, that I did not realize it happened, that God made me burn a plow, at that, that my plow at that night. And what I did was, he said, there's no going back. There's no going back. And so now we can see why, watch this, now we can see why Elisha is able to tell Elijah when Elijah says, hey, stay here. I'm going on to Bethel. Elisha says, oh, no, where you're going, I'm going. Somebody's going to catch that. Okay? Because he has nothing to go back to. He has burned his plow. Okay? Somebody remind me of that in a second, all right, to go back to that, okay? I'm thinking about garage. Okay, when you have a garage, I want to ask you to raise your hand. I'm sure there's a lot of people here that have a garage full of junk. A lot of, lot of stuff there that you think you're going to use later. 
When we moved over here, I was so excited to hear that the whole, a whole lot of stuff went in the trash. I was so excited. that Someone texted me and said, we've thrown a whole bunch of stuff in the trash. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because if you don't use it in a year, get rid of it. Amen. That, that, that's a whole other message. But a lot of people hoard and they keep stuff. And they, oh, I might use this again. I'm not talking about screws and hammers and things that can be used again. I'm talking about just junk. Stuff that you hold on to. I got so many. One of the things I've done over the years is tried to let go of some of the, the memoirs and the memories and the things that I've held on to that, you know, kind of meant something to you. It, just get rid of it. It's the past. Amen. Look forward to the future. Look forward to the prize, the high calling of Jesus Christ. Get some new memories. Get some new stories. Get some new testimonies. Amen. Talk, talk about something that happened this week and not 25 years ago. Amen. Get a new testimony. And so here's the thing that Elisha could have done. It's kind of dark over here. Huh? We haven't got the lights done yet. He says, he could have said, watch what he could have done. In case you haven't got this yet. He goes over there home. He says, Mom and Dad, God's called me to go to the mission field, and i got to go preach the gospel. But I'm not really sure exactly how this is going to work out. So what I want you to do is here's my plow. I want you to put it in the garage. I want to make sure you cover it up and you keep it real nice and go out there every once in a while, put oil in it, start it up. You know, maybe it's like a car like today. Make sure that you check the tires. Make sure you put gas. Every once in a while, matter of fact, take it around the block. Make sure it stays, you know, in good condition because I'm going to go try this God thing. And if this God thing don't work out, then I'm going to have that thing to come back to. Y'all with me? That's what we do too many times. We, 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 we make sure that we have a plan B and a plan C. And you know what? There's comfort in that. There's comfort in that. But it's a carnal comfort. Because there's an excitement in serving God that you cannot get from that that says, I'm just going to trust the Lord. And I'm just going to go where God says to go. And I'm just going to do what God says to do. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that if he says to go, he's going to go before me. And he's going to order my steps. And he's going to open up the doors he needs to open. Shut the doors he needs to shut. And he's going to do something beyond what I could ever ask or think. So he goes and he burns that plow. And so we, we move down to Costa Rica, leave that business again. And, and, um, uh, Start in, in, in Costa Rica, and I'm going to begin to close right here. We get down there, and this is in 1998. We get to Costa Rica and left everything here. Mom and Dad always said they loved the planes coming, hated the planes going every time we'd come to visit. And, and I, mom, mom, I have a real good relationship with my mom. I thank God for her, the prayer warrior she's been in my life. And she'd always, she'd always say, you know, when do you think you're going to come back? And I'd always tell her, one day we'll be in heaven together. I mean, understand that we're doing something here that's eternal. Amen. This is eternal. This is forever. This isn't temporary. If we have to give up some things on this earth, it's going to come back. The Bible says a hundredfold. Amen. It's going to come back way beyond anything we could ever give up. And so we're down there, and, and, I, and I get there, and, and I'm thankful. I've said this before. I'm 43 right now, and I thank God that I was young. The Bible says take advantage of your youth. All you that are young here, and I still consider myself very young, but if you're in your 20s especially, and if you're in your 30s, take advantage of your youth because you are able to do things with your body and, and stuff that your mind says do, don't do after you've done it. 
That's the difference. See, now my mind says, don't do that. The spirit says, be willing, and the flesh says, don't do that. That's dumb. And so I get down there at 24 years old. At 24 years old, I'm on the mission field. That's young. I've left everything. I've left my country. I've taken my wife that is eight months pregnant with my daughter, Destiny, to another country. Who moves in the middle of a pregnancy to another country? Only people who have not connected the brain with, with, with life yet, right? Just that, that young age thing, right? Then we get down there, and I'm opening the newspaper, and I speak good Spanish and everything, and I'm reading, and, and I see a murder over here, theft over here. And, and, I, and as I'm reading for the first two days that I get there, I keep seeing these same city names where everything seems to be happening that's really bad. And as I'm reading, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, go there. Go do ministry there, right there, right there in that, in that Los Guidos and Pavas and Los Cuadros. Yeah, go there. And again, my mind is figuring out later today, 43 years old, I should have never gone into those places. I should have never taken my wife, nine, eight months pregnant in there. I should have never taken my little three-year-old, four-year-old Kristen in there. But we did because you take advantage of your youth. But see, I was able to do those things because I burned my plow. When I was 19, I, I burned it at the altar. I left it there. And as we close, I want you to go to uh, John chapter 6. I'm going to give you one more verse. How many are getting something? John chapter 6. Once you get there, tell the person next to you, there's nothing like serving God. Amen. You know, the sanctuary is kind of weird. When you sit at the back, it seems like it's really far up here. But when you're up here, you seem really close. Optical illusion. Amen. Y'all there? Okay, we're going to read this in just a second. This is my last thought. So God wants to get you to a place this morning where everything you have is God's. Everything. Thank you for that one amen. God wants to get you to a place where everything you have is his. Okay? Because God is like that picture you see where he has something behind his back. And he's asking you to give you what you have in your hand. And what he has in the, behind his back is so much better than what you have in your hand. And once you give him your heart, once you say, God, I want to burn my plow. Listen, I'm, if I can get one person in this place this morning to burn their plow we will see something happen supernatural. I, I believe more than one could grab it, but if just one person in here could understand that God is calling, he's calling all of us to burn our plows. But if I could just get some in here to burn their plows this morning, meaning that they're going to lay it all at the altar and they're going to say, God, I understand that you've got something behind your back that is so much better than what you're asking me to give you in your hand, and you'll see God do amazing, amazing things in your life. There'll be times in your life where God, you have something that is his, and you don't understand that it's his. You think it's yours, like the kids in the nursery. Mine, mine. Aren't we good about saying mine? That's mine. Doesn't the Bible say that everything in the earth is the Lord's? Everything in the fullness of his Lord, everything's his. When you get to that place, you can live a life where, again, this isn't a message where I'm telling you to go sell everything today and take a vow of poverty and live. I'm not, that's not the point. 
God blesses. God, God fills up our barns. God gives us things. But what I'm telling you is the willingness to give it away. The willingness to let things go out of your hand. When God says, hey, I would like that, you say, here, it's yours anyways. And then he takes it, and then maybe not that same day, but down the road, he gives you something back better. That's the God we serve, amen? But here's what we have to understand. We have to burn our plow, and then we have to understand what what Peter understood in John chapter 6. If you haven't ever read John chapter 6, and you want to feel better about your circumstances you're living in right now, Go read John 6. We think sometimes, oh, man, sometimes God's hard on me. Sometimes God is kind of, he's really, you know, asking a lot of me. And we have, like, what I call first world problems. You know, a lot of times I need to preach that message again. We, we get up, we get, in a, in a, we get all upset over the dumbest things, amen. You know, I, I only had three pieces of pizza last night instead of two, you know. Man, it's kind of warm in here, you know. It's a little stuffy in here, you know. That wall's not finished yet. First world problems. But when you read John 6, you understand, man, God is taking this gospel thing really serious. How many understand the gospel serious this morning? It is. It's serious. Do, Do you consider yourself important this morning as a person? Do you consider your eternity important? Do you consider the fact that we're all going to spend somewhere in eternity important? Well, that's why the gospel is important, because each one of us have a soul. That's what we're here for, to get people saved. Amen? So Jesus is preaching really hard. When I say hard, you know, everybody kind of tries to make Jesus this, this weak, you know, just, just love, love, love. He's full of love, but, man, he was hard. He was tough. He's going in the temple throwing tables over, saying, make this a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. I mean, he's serious, and at this point, he's preaching to these guys and girls. There's a bunch of people there, and he says, if you are not willing to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you're not able to inherit the kingdom of God. And they're like, what? What are you asking? And the Bible says that many of his disciples, not people just sitting around just kind of just listening, many of his disciples, the Bible said, turn and left. The teaching was so hard. The, the, the call was so hard. What God was asking of them was so difficult that they turned away and went away sad, the Bible says. How many know that one day we're going to be really glad or really sad? Amen? I want to be really glad. How many want to be really glad one day? Amen? I want to be glad. I want to be in his presence. I want to feel his presence. I want to know his glory. I want to see him face to face. So he's a little hard on us sometimes saying, come on, let's get this together. I'm coming soon. I gotta, I'm going to come in for a church that's ready and watching, so we've got to get people saved. So Peter has a revelation in John 6. He says, he says in verse 67, to the 12, after the disciples left, it says, let's look at 66 so you believe me. It says, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. And Jesus says to the 12, you want to go that way also, do you? He basically says, there's the door. There there it is. You can leave at any time. How many know that we choose? Many are called, few are chosen. We choose. But then, watch watch what Peter says, the revelation that Elisha had thousands of years before. Peter answers and says, Lord, to whom will we go? Where will we go? 
if, I, if we leave you, see, that, that's the thought that they didn't, they, they didn't understand as they were walking away, that they were leaving everything. We think we're giving up something when we follow God. We're giving up nothing and gaining everything. But he says that they went away. The Bible says that just like that rich young ruler, he went away sad. But Peter says, wait, 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 time out. God, if, we, if I leave you, where will I go? He's, Peter's basically saying, I don't have a plan B. The day you called me, Jesus, you said, leave my, my net. I dropped it. I let it go. Now, we know the story. Peter failed later. He denied him. He was in his flesh. He, 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 he was afraid and all that. But we also know that he repented and was restored, and he came back to it, and he, and he did amazing things for God, and he died crucified upside down for Jesus. He was a martyr. But the reason he was able to do that is because he, when he dropped his net, he burnt it. He didn't, he didn't leave it there and say, hey, uh, brothers, go put that in the boat and keep it for me. So when I get back and if, I, and if this gets rough and I don't, I don't like this whole God thing, I'm going to come back to it. Is anybody getting what I'm saying this morning? Don't serve God as a second option or a third option or let's try this out and see how it goes. Serve God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength and see what God will do in your lives. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much for showing us in your word, God, that there's a plow in our lives that symbolizes everything that we are. As you're bowing your heads and closing your eyes this morning, I want to challenge you. I, I, I could have just maybe preached a message this morning about, oh, thank you for this building, God. But this is, this is the moment. We need, to, we need to start this off right, and we need to be challenged this morning. We need to say, God, I, I, I am ready and willing to listen to your call this morning. I am, I've been hearing your voice, and maybe you're hearing it for the first time this morning. God is calling you to say yes to him. God is calling you to say yes to some things that you've been saying no to or maybe to or I don't know about. God is calling us to do some things that will bring fruit into your life that you could never even imagine could never even contemplate. Before we pray this morning and, and, and ask God to, to do a work in our hearts, how many all over this place, from front to back and side to side, listening to the Holy Spirit, maybe you're like me 25 years ago. You're here. Thank God for that. But your heart is not in God's hands. You're busy with life. You're here and maybe you don't even really truly understand why you're here. You don't really know what you believe. Maybe you're here and you do believe in God, but you haven't really fully committed to him. You haven't made him Lord of your life. You haven't made him master and savior. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never heard a gospel message. You've never heard the good news. The good news is... Jesus died for us. The good news is Jesus has a future hope for us, an expected end, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Maybe you're here. You've never heard that before. But today, something inside of you is happening like it did me. I knew that my life was at a crossroad. I knew that if I continued down the road I was going, 
God made it very clear where I was going. Jesus said some of the most clear and precise words he ever said were, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I think only a fool would say in his heart, I don't want to go to heaven. I don't want to spend eternity with God. Some people don't even believe in God, but they wouldn't want to go to hell. Some people joke about it. Some people say it, but everybody wants to go to heaven. If there is one, they would say, there is one this morning. There's a heaven. There's a hell. There's a place God made for us. But to get there, we've got to understand that we're sinners and we need God's grace. We need his, we need his mercy. A lot of times we can, we can be successful in life and we can do a lot of things in ourselves in our own strength, but if we don't come to the understanding that it's nothing without Jesus, you'll be miserable. How many this morning could, could be honest with God as nobody's looking around, it's just between you and him, and say, I'm not saved. I don't know where I would spend eternity this morning if I died. I'm not sure. But you want to know right now, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Would you just put your hand up and put it right back down and say, that's me. I need salvation. I want to be saved this morning. I want to be born again. That's me. God is looking at your heart this morning. He knows you. He knows your beliefs. He knows where you're at with your walk. He knows everything about you. And now I want to change the course of the call for a second. Might not look like it on the outside. You might be real quiet. You might be real reserved. You might be somebody who doesn't make a lot of noise. But inside of you, there's a call. And it's burning. God's telling you, do something for me. God's calling you to serve. God's calling you to, to do more than you're doing today. But you kind of have a back thing, back, something in the back burner saying, well, God, I, I, I want to I commit just not 100%. God's calling us to 100%. You know, he's real clear. He says, you're either hot or you're cold. You're in or you're out. Can't be lukewarm. Can't be in the middle. Today, God wants us to commit to him. As we stand to our feet, we're going to spend a little time praying. This is the point where it's not about emotion. We're going to sing a song right now, and it's not about emotion. We're going to sing a worship song. The altar will be open, and you can find a place to pray anywhere you want this morning. You can turn around and pray at your seat, whatever you want to do. But... This, the day that I gave my life to Jesus, I wasn't looking around to see what people thought. I knew that God was calling me. And I knew that I had to answer for me. And I knew that I needed to say yes for me. But listen carefully on this. Listen real carefully. It's not just about you. Because behind you is somebody else that does not know Jesus. Amen? There's people like you, that are here this morning, that if it wasn't for the answered call, you would not be saved. So we have to understand, it's not just me saying, yes, God, I'll do what you want me to do. It's me saying, yes, God, I will be the light to all the people you want me to be to. I will make sure that my, my path crosses with the men and women that you have already ordained and planned for me to meet. So they will know Jesus. 
Amen. And it's not about standing at a pulpit. It's not about being in. It's about answering God's call of what he's put on your life to do so that you can impact others' lives. So as we begin to sing this song this morning, I want to open up the altar, and I want you personally to answer the call for your life personally. I want you to do business with God for yourself personally. Amen.